when I focus on stocks, right, I see the results that I want. Yeah. Faster than I expect. Yeah. Right? And I see other people when they just focus on, let's say, property. Yes. They get very well. They do they very well. Or, yeah. or more, right? Yeah, yeah. And even if they like miss their targets by a little bit. But if you do a little bit of everything, then like you, maybe you do well in properties and suddenly your stocks are down. Or maybe you do stocks well, but then your property, no rental. Yeah. So then, you know, it's like one step forward, one step back. Hedging? Hedging? <laughs> forward, back, forward, back. Every time you make money, you must lose money. <laughs> right? Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six-Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.firl.co slash f-r-e-e or www.firo.co slash free. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone back to the FIRO podcast, the best place for long-term stock investors. So Ooh. today, John, here's what we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, this is going to be slightly controversial, mm -hmm. but you know, we uh, know um, we're not afraid of too much, uh, a, a little bit of controversy. Ruffling a little feathers. Yeah. Um, and you know, this is also, I think, good a good reflection for us yeah. as in it's also advice we are giving ourselves in the future. Yes. And if you listening right now um, find that we do any of these things, please let us know, right? Because we always need, yeah, hold us accountable, accountable and, you know, be a corrective mechanism to our journey as online content creators in the, although we are in the stock investing space, but sometimes it gets lumped into the Blue. personal financing space. Personal finance, so not personal financing. Yeah. Sorry. That's, How, a very, that's a different- are, are you providing loan shark services that's a, now? That's <laughs> a totally, totally different industry, personal yeah. finance. So anyway, today we are going to chat and really share our views on what we think are some of the biggest problems mm -hmm. with the personal finance industry mm -hmm. in Malaysia, whether it's offline or online. online. Yeah. And we feel that as a beginning, we think that this space is a very good space to be in. Obviously, that's why we started viral. Yeah. Um, we think that there's a market demand for content. Mm -hmm. And overall, we have positive things to say about the industry. That's right. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the things that are a little bit more negative. The elephant in the room. Elephants in the room. <laughs> and, and the reason is because I think we see a lot of things that we don't really agree with. And we know if you're listening, we want to shed this light, mm -hmm. some light on a lot of these things and something you need to take a uh, note of. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to give you, you know, great examples. And we're going to talk about people who we think are, you know, really good in uh, this industry. Yeah. So um, we were discussing before we did the podcast that the first thing we really want to talk about and the first problem that we see when it comes to just content creators in personal finance is affiliate marketing. Mm, maybe some context to what affiliate marketing is right yeah. now. 
So how I understand affiliate marketing or how we understand it is that a content creator gets paid for promoting a product or a service, yep. uh, whether he uses it or he doesn't use it, and he gets a compensation based on the number of users that sign on to the service, service yeah. or the product that he markets. Yeah, and somewhat linked to it is also um, like paid advertisements, essentially. That's right. Sponsored advertisements. Sponsored advertisements on the videos. Now, we are. I am actually not against affiliate marketing. Mm-hmm. I think that it's good. Only provided that I use it myself mm-hmm. consistently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you eat your own cooking. La. Yeah, in my own cooking. So, and, and the reason is also this, because as a content creator, you have a fan base. That's right. Right? Not, not okay. I don't use fa- word fan base. I hate the word. Sorry. Yeah. You have people, friends, and followers who um, trust your some of your opinions, opinions, and recommendations. And when you s- you are using or promoting a product, mm-hmm. you want to make sure. I think as an online content creator, that the product's good or the service is good. Yes. And the best way is to actually use it yourself consistently. Correct. Right. So why is this a problem? is because we find that there's a lot of content creators online, mm-hmm. especially that, you know, they have a link in their Instagram, YouTube, whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, they don't really use the product. They don't talk about it uh, too much or they talk about it all the time in one single video. Mm. It's not like a by the way thing, right? They, mm. they, they, they'll spend, like they'll specialize one video just for that product. And it's so obvious that, <laughs> They're just trying to sell you that, that, that product. That product. That they, they're probably not even using. Yeah. It's it's very similar to this, you know. It's like uh, this wonton mean mm. is very, very good. Yeah. But you've never been to the stall. You've only heard other people talk about it. And it's also linked to, I think, the compensation scheme. That's uh, right. MJ. Mm. Because let's all be honest. Um, we, What we find uh, very funny is that people are hypocritical yeah. about how they make money. And I think uh, that does not that, that is a disservice to the community yeah. you are serving because and I have to thank you for mm. sharing this book with me, Henry Hazlitz, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think uh it really gave me insights to there's no such thing as free. I mean, we heard this over and over again, right? So whenever we subscribe to a product or a service, right, the company has to make money. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And while it's we're not demonizing the product or service, what we're saying is that understand how is that company making money yeah, and un- try to understand whether it is of a conflict of interest to you. Mm. I think that's key because if it is a conflict of interest to you and you are subscribing to a service that may not be in your best interest, yeah. but the way it's being pro- promoted by the affiliate marketer in this mm. place, yeah. And, and the affiliate marketer would be, uh, like, like I'd say, the content creator. Content creator, influencer, influencer or, yeah. who, may, who may come up to you and say, oh, we'll give you free education, yeah, we'll yeah. give you a very cheap cost. But actually, he's be, he or she is being compensated by affiliate marketing, selling you a product or service that may not be in your best interest. And worse still that they don't use. Yeah. Like I give you an example. I think one famous one. And I, I have nothing to say about the brand because mm-hmm. uh, I personally don't use it. Yeah. So uh, like I said, this is not a product review or anything. It's a neutral stance. It's yeah, just yeah, putting yeah. out a fact. Yeah, yeah. like for example, uh, we, we know there's this uh, trading uh, brokerage yeah. called eToro. Ah, yes. Right? So eToro does a lot of affiliate marketing. That's right. Now there's nothing wrong 
from the outside uh, about using eToro. Yeah. The problem we have is not so much with eToro, is with the people promoting eToro who don't use eToro, who don't talk about it, to, who don't explain in detail why is it that eToro is better than the others. Yes, there's no there's no fact-based, unbiased yeah. review yeah. when they promote the service. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's, that's what we're trying to highlight, actually. Yeah, and you know the thing is, the thing about bias is that I think everyone is biased, right? So we run a mentorship program. Yes. We, we we sell products. Yes. And of course, in that sense, we are biased. Yes. But, and everyone's biased to some extent. But the, the issue here is that you sell something, but you don't do it. So like right. the things, the mentorship program that we run, for example, the methods we use. It's our own cooking. It's our own cooking, right? It's what we do, right? right? But if you, let's say, promote eToro and you don't use it a lot and you only create you know, videos specifically for eToro. You don't create a consistent then, update to your, um, your your let's say your subscribers, your followers on Instagram about why eToro is great. Then yeah. people, or at least I, will be very skeptical. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where I want to bring in our good friends who in yeah yes to contrast how I think affiliate marketing can be done well and even I would say ethically and professionally. Yes. So, see, you're listening to this. You know, sorry, I have to say this, but. If, you, if you've been in the personal finance space and watching all these videos in Malaysia, you know that uh, Suyin is, uh, again, I'm, she might hate me for saying this, but she's Stash Away girl. Yeah, she's a Stash Away girl. All right, so Stash Away, you know, they do um, robo-advisory, right? ETFs. Yeah, robo-advisories. Now, she also does affiliate for her, right? You can go to the videos, so you can see there's a link there. You for know, affiliate and, for yeah, Stash Away. And yeah. she'll get compensated from that. that yes. That's well known, right? Yes. But why I would say that that is a much more proper way of doing things is because if you look, she doesn't just do one video Correct. on Stash Away. She does many, many videos and she actually guides you through step-by-step step from her perspective, what are the features and benefits of Stash Away. And so that, then as a viewer, you can be like, oh, this is a lot of information that I didn't know, whether it's the sign-up process, whether it's understanding the risk index, mm-hmm. whether it's all these things. But when you just, but in stark contrast, if you just say, hey, you know, I have a stash away link yeah. in, in my dis- YouTube description and, and then and then that's it. And and you don't even update your portfolio. Like like Suyin, after a year yeah, or yeah, yeah. she updates her portfolio. Hey, my portfolio is up, my portfolio yeah. is down. It's her lifestyle. She is eating her own cooking. Yeah, and another another creator on a shout out is, is Yet, you know? Yo, Ziet yeah, Invest. You guys should you know, subscribe <laughs> to his channel. Yes, right. Um, He does something similar. Not not as much as uh, Suyin, but she, he also does... um pretty good explanation on stash away um a few videos even even the the one that really caught my imj was the one he did on apple mm. uh he he gave a thorough analysis on mm. apple and the best part why i like about it is because i know he is an advent apple fan mm. he just bought the latest macbook yeah. he 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 really is into the product yeah. you know i i only have three apple products he's yeah. probably got a mac two macbooks <laughs> yeah an ipad uh airpods and he really He's into the company. He's, yeah. he's eating his own cooking. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, and I, you know, yeah. I think that um, like we are not against affiliate marketing. Correct. Don't, don't get us wrong. In fact, any brands listening, you know, if you let us use your service and we like it, we yeah. actually do affiliate marketing uh, for you. In, in a way, right? share investor. We love it. Yeah, we love share investor, right? Yes. We're, yes. Not, we're not paid. Yeah. Share investor, please. Yeah, please. You know? <laughs> we always talk about. Yeah, yeah but we, we it, there's nothing wrong with affiliate marketing. The problem is when you just kind of shove all these links and promo codes and whatnot to your to your viewers. And then you you do, don't use it. 
like videos, like short videos explaining when it's so obvious it's essentially just an advertisement yeah. and it's like this cup of water. Oh, it's very good, it's very good. But you're not gonna drink that one cup, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um yeah, that's something you need to take. I, I think that is one big problem. Mm-hmm. Authenticity lah. Yeah, that that needs to, I think, evolve. Mm-hmm. I think it's just an evolution stage right now. That's right. People are discovering their space and their needs. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But that that as a listener, I, I feel that's something you need to take note of mm. whenever you watch online content creators. Any to be fair, so gets quite annoying also. Yeah. When they keep promoting. <laughs> so but I, I think there's a deeper reason why a lot of these companies uh are doing all this affiliate marketing and mm-hmm. all that. Mm. Um, most of the time an online content creator, just like any business, has mm-hmm. to make money. Correct. Right? So we are upfront. Like so for example, for this business, we make money through our mentors- mentorship program. Yes. As well as our some of our e-products. That's right. right. So we are upfront. That, that's exactly how we make money, right? But you know, a YouTube channel that is um that has no products, mm-hmm. they might present themselves as we have no like maybe a cause or whatever to sell. Or an altruistic cost. Yeah, and they think they're altruistic, but actually they they, they, they have to make money. Yeah. And the way they make money actually is through more views. Mm-hmm. And how do they get more views is by actually um, reviewing or advertising all these products because mm. these products, say Stash Way Eater or whatever, mm-hmm. um, will take, you know, their, uh, their videos and mm-hmm. they will share it. And then also it's what we call a, very, uh, a high SEO uh, target yeah. uh, high SEO topic. So what 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 is SEO? So SEO is just uh, search engine optimization. It's basically a way. Anyone who wants to be useful needs to know this, right? It's basically just a way to make your videos more visible. Mm. So like for example, Stash Away or even Itoro, right? They are very highly searched it's keywords. A, it's a keyword. Yes, yeah, it's a keyword, right? Highly searched keywords on Google. Mm. And so if you create a video with that keyword then your, the search engine well, likely, will pick up. And that's yeah. why you call search engine uh, Op- optimization. So if you look at a lot of online content creators, and you know, we will also do uh, you know a couple of videos like that, yeah. which is that if you sort their YouTube channel, right? Mm-hmm. And you sort from most to most popular, correct? it's always this product. Yeah. It's always the stash away and all this, right? Yes. And again, nothing wrong with that, mm. but that's how they gain the views so that they didn't get paid. Yeah for their YouTube uh, videos, the money. Mm-hmm. And then as they increase the viewership, then more people hop on to their affiliate links. Links. And that's, this is how to make money. And I think what we're trying to describe here is the framework of the compensation. Yes. That's all. And here's another thing. Mm. The reason they have to do that is because I feel a lot of online content creators today, mm-hmm. they start a YouTube channel because they want to create a livelihood out of it. Ah. So they need that income. And that this is, uh, this is a, in a way a revenue funnel for them. Yes. That's why they have to keep promoting all these products and yes. services, right? Yes. Whether they like it or, or not. Yeah. Or even they, they, they are like, not to say that they think it's bad, not to say that they're dishonest, but they may not, they have maybe have no feelings about the product, mm. but just the product, so they just put it out there. Yeah. It's not their part of their lifestyle. Yeah, correct, correct. Mm. That's why when we started Viral, we um, knew, right, mm. that we cannot rely at all. Yeah. And that is why we have our own portfolios. We are generating income from that, yes. growing our wealth through that, Yes. rather than Viral. Viral might make money, a lot of money in the future. We, we don't know, right? Don't it's know. definitely not there yet, right? Yeah. It's definitely not, we, we don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But that's really not 
the big motivation, I feel. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, when we, we, we started this, MJ, I think uh, just the short summary of how we started mm. was that I got tired of repeating myself over yeah. and over and again. Yeah. And you got tired of only talking to me yeah. about stocks. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so it is something of a lifestyle that we ourselves practice. And, and, Let's let's not be let let's not be trying trying to be hypocrites here. Like we have to make money yeah, yeah. from selling education content. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the reason why we do that is because of what we said earlier about we we only eat products or services yeah. of our own cooking. Yeah. And what better to sell than our own cooking rather than someone else's cooking that I'm forced to sell. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. I know it's a little bit annoying, but I want to tell you something that I think can be really helpful to you. I can tell you're really interested in the stock market and want to learn more about it so that you actually know what you're doing, especially when today things are getting more complex and complicated. That's why we came up with the Stock Investing Blueprint or SIB. It's our signature e-learning program that teaches you how to pick the right stocks most of the time, buy and sell it at the best possible time and manage your stock portfolio systematically. It currently has more than 10 hours of content and it's growing. You'll also be part of a group of like-minded investors that can help speed up your learning process. To hop on the program, click on the link in the description or go to learn.viral.co slash courses slash SIB. So besides affiliate marketing, I think uh, what is the next struggle for online personal finance creators actually? Okay, so this one is more to do with their um, content message. Mm. So I find that too much um, of content out there is centered around, there's like this obsession with budgeting and saving money. Mm. Like there's a thousand and one ways to budget. Mm. There's this this system, that system, this number rule, that number rule. And, and um, very long spreadsheet. <laughs> very, uh, yeah, very long spreadsheet. Do this, do that, you know. Um, and a lot of obsession surrounds saving money. And the reason I bring this up is because I think in October, the Malay Mail, there's this um, uh, opinion piece mm-hmm. by this lady called Erna Mayuni. Oh, yeah. Right? Yes, yes. She, she uh, I, I thought she, she was very polarizing, right? Mm-hmm. She came out with a very... Uh, provocative title, right? It's called, It's More Income, Not Financial Literacy That the Poor Need. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not going into her, her reasons or her suggestions, counter suggestions as mm. to uh, how, what the poor need. Mm. How but, to solve the problem. You're not trying correct. to solve the problem. Yep. But I do think that her impetus of saying that at the end of the day, if you don't make enough income, mm you there's no money to save that you, you cannot budget your way way to money you cannot budget your way out of poverty yeah. without income i think that's what she's trying to say yeah so like what do you, what do you think where do you stand because you know it's not a like i still remember when this came out in the personal finance community mm-hmm. and in fact i think she she actually attacked of course she didn't name but she attacked one very famous uh, uh, personal blog. finance blogger about her identity. I, to be fair i don't know who but yeah. apparently attacked her for her her, her braces or something like that <laughs> Okay. I like it's. I I don't know. I, I also don't. Know. Yeah, I don't know who lah. To be honest, yeah. but 
So you, there, there was a dividing line, right? Mm. Where yeah, income is more important. Then the other side said, no, no, financial literacy, budgeting, or savings so is important. So where do you stand on all this? Uh, great question. Um, I stand on the side of income. Okay. Reason being, I came from a family of teachers, and in my naive past, naive, right? And I'm I'm daring enough to admit this. When I started investing, and I would say, "How come my parents did this?" Mm. And as I grew older, a little bit wiser, I realized that your mental ability, or your mental capacity to actually think, or even dare to think about investing, is not there. And I refer this to Maslow hierarchy. Yeah. If you are at that level when you are barely surviving, right? no matter how much you try to inculcate some personal finance habits or whatever, it's not going to help. It's not going to help. He, he is trying to <laughs> uh, fend for his family, trying to figure out the next meal. He will not have that mental capacity. So I stand on the side of income. It's, I might as well spend the first phase of trying to figure out a way to get better income, then only think about the budgeting, the savings and all that kind of thing. And... A lot of times people say that, oh, you know, racks to riches, whatever. I, I don't believe that's entirely true because if you had a little bit more uh, than what you could spend on, you already have some kind of confidence to be able to invest that money. Mm -hmm. People discount the fact so much that they say that once you budget and you save, you really, yeah. I, 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 ironically, I stand on the side of income rather than yeah. budgeting. What about your thoughts, Henry? Well, I hate to use this word, but you know, finance is holistic, mm -hmm. right? Um, but it's um, it's a sequence of uh, events, right? So, you know, personal finance blogging and all that. Who is the target market? People under thirty, mm -hmm. thirty five, just starting out. They'll get yeah. the job. Yeah, and you know, I I do feel that when it comes to wealth creation in general, right? Um, there's really only three steps, right? Um, make money, save money, invest. Mm. But it must happen in sequence. Mm -hmm. And so I think at the beginning, definitely, if you're someone, especially if you're under 30, you need to focus first on the make income portion. That's right. Right? Now, this doesn't mean that the other two steps are not important. Or not relevant. Right? It's like you have to pump petrol into your car. Or even baby steps. You can't, you can't be yeah. running. Yeah. Without first learning to crawl. Yeah. Uh, without learning first learning how to crawl yeah. and then to stand, to balance yourself, yeah. to walk and then Yeah, yeah but that, but you see, just because you have to learn to walk first doesn't mean that running is less important, right? Correct, correct. It's just a question of timing and sequence. That's right. So I feel that you know you need to start with an income first. Mm. But I think that the saving money portion and the emphasis on budget all that is very important especially for a lot of high income earners mm. when they spend every dollar they make. Actually, actually, you brought up a very good point, MJ, and sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, no, go on. yeah, it's really, the struggle is this, once they get that first step right, which is earning an income, yeah. the more income they earn, yeah. the more they spend. Yeah. And that's where it lies in the difference. And this is where personal yeah. finance and budgeting comes in, kicks yeah, in, it's yeah. because you've turned on the taps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You turn on the taps bigger, it means more income, right? But then you are filling a pail of water that has a lot of holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that 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 is the part where 
personal finance mm-hmm. and that habit of discipline, spending below your means yeah. kicks in. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a question of sequence. It is a question of I sequence. I mean, it's like the problems that you will face when it comes to, let's say, dating mm-hmm. is very different from the problems in marriage. Oh yeah, maybe sure. Maybe in, in dating is about building trust. Let's say as a guy, it's about, you know, not, looking at other girls all the time, mm-hmm. for example, right? Mm-hmm. He's giving the trust and all that, managing jealousy. But in marriage, then, you know, a different set of problems. Maybe is uh, I don't know, in-laws or children. Time responsibility. Yeah, it's, it's just different set of problems. But you see, when you keep emphasizing like a lot of personal finance content creators out there on the rules of marriage, oh. right? Mm. And talk about it, and and when the guy is looking for a date, then yeah. it's very difficult. <laughs> and 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 okay, I'm gonna talk about this right a little bit more. Don't worry, this is not a dating <laughs> podcast, right? But if so, what what happens is right when you listen when you take dating advice from a married person, mm. what is he going to say? He's going to say things like, "You need to be um like responsible. You need to get your money down low. Mm. You need to be um." Uh, kind, you need to be nice, you need to be patient, you need to be all these things, right? Mm, mm. But here's the thing I realized, right? None at the dating phase, none of, none of that is gonna attract yeah. a lady. Yeah. It's gonna be something else. It's gonna be like things like yeah, you yeah. have to be suave, yeah, yeah. Maybe, pick up maybe. lines. <laughs> right. Maybe you have to be uh, maybe you have to be confident, maybe you have to excite her with your ambition. Mm. Right. But the rules of marriage and the rules of dating are very different. Very completely. So when you are emphasizing on saving money, it's a down the road kind of thing. Mm. When the guy already has, has maximized his income, income. to use a, a, a you know that phrase. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's why I think it's uh, the obsession is a big, uh, it's a bit too big, lah. I, I think the point maybe you're trying to make, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, MJ, is the polarizing opinion. It rather is like it's not one and one. Yeah, it's, it's not one here, uh, one for the budgeting camp and personal finance camp and then one for income. It's actually a sequence that when people go through those phases, certain things kicks in. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think if you're starting out, really, it's just where's the best position you can be mm-hmm. to make the best, the best amount of income. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the uh, best place for growth, the best place for long-term growth in your income. Mm. And then after you got that out, okay, then you can then start you learning about it, yeah. learning all the systems, the buckets. But saying that at the same time, uh, you can learn about it. Yeah, yeah. Even when you, nah, I think I, I take that back. I think on, the mental capacity is only ready when, when you know. I mean, look, if you're someone who has tremendous mental capacity, you can actually simultaneously do everything. Yeah. Right, you are very good at let's say making money mm. at the same time you have like a sixth sense or like a in, like a self-built intuition to manage finances like you know how much money is going where each mm. month mm. and you are able to say i need to save 30 percent of income then you reverse engineer from that mathematically that oh, oh then my car has to be this my house has to be this yeah my, my insurance has to be this blah 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 like there are people that they you, are they are right by second nature like you, you kind of have to be born with it yeah but if you're going through the training of budgeting there's a lot of effort and and and, and sacrifice and time and energy then you realize oh you know i i, I do Get so many stuck. things i spend hours and yeah. then i'm like saving <laughs> oh i've saved an additional 200 ringgit now 
Same thing, additional 200 ringgit. It's fantastic. A it's a lot, man. I mean, when you're first starting out. <laughs> but I do think that if you employ so much energy to save 200 ringgit, <laughs> you can employ the same amount of energy to make extra 2,000 ringgit. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, think exactly. that's something, like if you're someone who has a propensity for saving and you love budgeting and all that, don't think what I'm trying to say is uh, like pouring cold water on what Or discounting do. whatever you're doing. It's just, I'm just trying to raise awareness that there's this other element that you cannot ignore. And so that's why I agree with the spirit of uh, Miss, uh, uh, what's her name, Erna. Mm. But uh, of course, the, the, the article is very long. And it's <laughs> about solving, you know, poor people and, you know, it's a whole different it's, it's a, yeah, yeah. So that, that's really about the obsession with budgeting and saving. So I'm going to go to the next obsession. Sure. You tell me what you think, right? Mm. Uh, and that is this, um, to me, very unhealthy obsession with diversification. Oh, Oh, don't get me started, man. <laughs> Please start. <laughs> so, I also naively believed in this concept. Okay. Don't put your eggs in one basket. All right? And that was the phase I went through because when I started, it was stocks. It was unit trust, then stocks, then properties. And looking back in hindsight, everything looks clearer now. It's like, if I had chosen to focus, right? Life would have been very different. Obviously, I can't turn back the clock and do yeah. that, right? But maybe what I can highlight are the fallacies and my own bad experiences going through diversification. Mm. One, when you are diversified, right? I couldn't seriously t ask myself, am I really good at one? Yeah. Jack of all trades, master I was of none. Of, yeah, I was master of none. Uh, here I was reading ferociously and I couldn't keep up. I mean, yeah. how many people, I mean, Hand to heart, honestly, yeah. if you invest in unit trust, how many of you actually read your annual reports? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how many of you actually know how to calculate fees, how to calculate the returns? Do you even know what the fees are involved yeah, in the first place? Right? Exactly, exactly. So if you are in you are you're a serious unit trust investor, all right, you would actually be able to know ratings of funds, be able to know thematic sectors that this unit trust invests. And I was an agent, I was a unit trust agent. And I can tell you less than 20% of the unit trust agents out there don't even understand how the funds are managed. Damn. I, I know I'm going to ruffle feathers when I say this, but it, it's you go and ask some of them, they don't even know how these funds are actually managed. Oh, I mean, they just sell it. They it's, just sell it. They're, they're good marketers. Oh, I, I mean, they have to, they have to feed, yeah. they have to feed their family, but yeah, that's it. Mm. And why, why this is even uh, part of the div diversification theme is when you are spreading yourself too thin, even if you make 100% on your unit trust, let's say you're very good at it. Yeah. You make 100%, but it only constitute 10% of your portfolio. That's a 10% gain. <laughs> Correct. Uh, okay, lo. not bad. La. Uh, not bad, la, right? And then you've got the rest spread out 10% here, 10% there. Net, net, right? What happens? Net, net, you don't see... Uh, uh, yeah a significant amount of gain sorry, in your portfolio. And I think that's where the fear is this. The fear stems from volatility. I think yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah. fear about any products or, or financial products that they buy or they invest in and they see a 50% drop. And because of that, they spread it. I say, oh, okay, I am hedging my risk because I'm putting into so many things if property goes down, yeah, I still got my unit trust. If unit trust goes down, there I still got my stocks or whatever. Yeah. There is a certain truth to that correlation. Yeah. But that is also a sequence problem. You only go through diversification 
when your net worth is so high, when you when you have to hedge against things like forex, because let's say if your net worth of thirty million, for example, yeah, right? Ultra high net worth. Individual. Ultra high, yeah. How ultra high net worth individual? Then you talk about diversification because you you want to optimize your tax. Yeah. You want to optimize your trust structures. You yeah. want to optimize. Then you talk about diversification, but anything less than a million, guys, focus. I mean that yeah. that's that's me. What what about you, MJ? I I I agree, and I'll, I'll just add a few few things, right? Yeah. So the thing is, um, we know that any anything that you do, you get paid for excellence. Yeah. Right. You you get, get paid. paid for specialty yeah. specialization. Yeah. You 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 were um you know you used to be at Shell. Yeah. And I still remember you telling me that you were earning before you quit six hundred thousand ringgit a year. Yes, your tax bill was a Toyota Camry, right? Yeah. And the reason you were paid so high is because you were specific. Yes. At fixing and maintaining offshore platforms. That's right. Not many people have that skill. Yes, it's very. It's a very specialized skill. Correct. And so because you specialize in that, so you generate a certain level of wealth that only some people can dream of. That's right. And then only maybe you start to diversify. Even then I would say you're not that diverse as well. Yeah. Even where you're at, right? Yeah. So I think, like you said, diversification of people are afraid of volatility and hedging. Yes. What's the objective of hedging? The objective of hedging is to make zero and lose zero. <laughs> Now ask you a question. Uh, if you're worth, if you only have 10,000 ringgit to your name, mm. or even 100,000 ringgit to your name, yeah. is zero an interesting proposition to you? Nope. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like zero might be interesting to Jeff Bezos. Yeah. It's like, yeah, 70 billion. Would I be happy with 70 billion 10 years from now? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Can you imagine uh, that hedging you mentioned zero, yeah. right? You start doing that and you don't realize it's actually capital preservation. You go into capital preservation yeah. when your net worth is at 10K. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and and to your point about, about expertise and depth, right? Yeah. Um, it's That's a career example. And I think the same when it comes to investment asset classes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yes, yes. Like, and of course, this is unpopular, but I do think that, and based on even my own life, right? Mm. When I focus on stocks, right? I see the results that I want. Yeah. Faster than I expect. Yeah. Right? And I see other people when they just focus on, let's say, property. Yes. They get very well. They do they very well. Or, yeah. or more, right? Yeah, yeah. And even if they like miss their targets by a little bit. But if you do a little bit of everything, then like maybe you do well in properties and suddenly your stocks are down. Or maybe you do stocks well, but then your property, no rental. Yeah. So then. You know, it's like one step forward, one step back. Hedging? Hedging? <laughs> forward, back. Forward, back. Every time you make money, you must lose money. <laughs> right? Actually, it, it, it triggered a memory of mine. It, it, uh, this was uh, my GM, my general manager. Yeah, okay, yeah. He's one level below the chairman of Shell Malaysia, right? He actually said this. Uh, he's one of the highest paid executives in Malaysia yeah, yeah. for the business unit, right? He actually publicly said, of course, he didn't divorce the exact number. He said, don't complain about your salary because I get paid less than the most senior technical specialist within the country. And he's a GM. He's a GM, but he's a GM, GM, general. <laughs> so he, 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 he says some of the senior well managers, which is a very technical uh, capacity job, uh, some of their senior subsurface uh, specialists get paid higher than him. Yeah. 
And that is the reward for specialization. I mean, yeah. he chose to generalize. He chose to manage. And, you know, they, I, I'm glad Shell actually does that. Lah. And yeah. I think similar, if you draw that parallels to the investing world, people always get rewarded to specialize, regardless, yes. business yes. and career, investing. Now, that said, I've heard this uh, famous quote by Nicholas Nassim Taleb before. Oh, yes. And this is something I need to add, right? Yes. I know we are talking a lot about specialists and how important that is. And it is. But he, he did say this interesting thing. The graveyard of specialists uh -huh. is bigger than the graveyard of generalists. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so what he's trying to say is that as good as specialists might be, what ends up happening is that because you're so specialized, you end up becoming comfortable mm. and actually you may end up dying and there's no recourse. There's I no see. way for you to pivot. Mm, mm. So why, why I'm bringing this up is because as important as it is to specialize, specialize and you should specialize especially early on and that's why doctors get, you know, the, Correct. you know, orthopedics get paid more than general doctors by and large is because um, you don't want to be a one-trick pony. Yeah. And you know the the, the phrase, um, jack of all trade, master of none? Yeah. What you need to be, eventually, right? Eventually, not right now. Yeah. Now you need to be a master of one. Yeah. But eventually, you'll be a jack of all trades, mm. master of one. Mm. That means you still have, let's say, for example, we mm. would like to be specialists in stock investing. Correct. But eventually, we'd like to be decently okay with a little bit of crypto. A little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say Forex, but a little bit of maybe private equity. Private, yeah, private equity, VC, yes. or um, God forbid, gold, <laughs> or even property, right? Eventually, you know, yeah, yeah. we have to own some property, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think I would I would, I would, would say that. No, no, jack point. of all trades, master of one. One. That should be your goal. But be a master of one first, then be a jack of all trades. Yes, yes. So what do you think will be the next big struggle for personal finance content creators? Uh, so this next thing I want to talk about is um, a big space within the personal finance industry and mm. that is uh, insurance. Mm. Okay. Right. And I feel that the whole issue with insurance and this is where it's more offline. So I think, you know, with affiliate marketing and, and you know, when we talk about budgeting, saving, diversity, all that, these are content that appears in the online space more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when it comes to insurance, what I realized is a more offline one. So this is basically when you meet your agent for the first time, mm -hmm. when you talk to them and things like that. Um, there is a lot of either conscious or unconscious misinformation. Ah, okay. Right? No one really knows what insurance is about. When it's all these jigsaw puzzles all over the place, yeah. but no one has the holistic Kind of, kind of overview of the whole thing, like overarching. Yeah, and they don't simplify it enough. In a, in a, they don't simplify it without oversimplifying it. Mm, mm, mm. But they don't tell you. They don't break it down as, okay, here's what you're gonna be covered, and here's what it will cost you. Mm. Like if they're upfront about that. Yeah, and they make it clear. Then I feel that that is something that makes the insurance industry a lot less uh, gray. Yeah, but. What are your thoughts on the insurance industry as as you know as general as possible? Or this would be a different podcast. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, but maybe I, I I try to come in like what you said, yeah. a view a generalistic view. Like I I had my mistrust of insurance. I yeah, mean, yeah. there's there's no denying. I I only got my insurance when I was twenty nine, and uh, I had an appendix surgery before that. For, yeah. for those of you who know, 
the struggle with a lot of what we call intermediaries or, or the, the, the sales guys mm. in between is that to them, every financial problem is like a nail and they have the hammer. Mm. That's their struggle. So for a guy who sells unit trust, you know that sometimes they they have a by the way, they sell wills <laughs> solution. Oh. By the way, they sell insurance. Like like if you're a, uh, if you're a unit trust agent, and if you had sold this, uh, uh, I represented uh, a very big mutual fund before. And if your EPF had exceeded a certain amount, I think it was a hundred thousand uh, for certain funds. If you bought these certain funds, you get free insurance. Oh wow! Uh, you yeah. didn't know that, right? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you see, they to them they they are trying to use a uh, 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 hammer solution for everything that look they 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 try to perceive as a nail la. Yeah. Oh you got investing, you want to invest insurance. Insurance. Well, make money, insurance. Insurance. Income insurance. Insurance. Everything is insurance. Insurance. Yeah. And I think that's where uh, a lot of these um, lines get blurred. Yeah. Because in my years of uh, being an insurance uh, planner, right, I've come across I would say 95% of the time it it is sold as a product. Mm. It is not sold as a solution. I know it sounds uh, there's a very gray area, but it's in in the industry we call it need based selling. Need based selling, okay. Need based selling meaning you come, you understand the guy. If he already has his insurance solutions and and protection, all well done. He doesn't need you. Sad to say, yeah, he doesn't need you. <laughs> he needs probably a wealth manager to help him grow his wealth, or he needs a uh, 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 estate planner to plan his will, to plan his trust, and all that kind of. And that's where. Uh, I think the CFPs and RFPs actually come in. The struggle is this. A lot of us, especially in Malaysia or maybe even elsewhere outside the world, don't think it's feasible to pay fees to get independent advice. Mm. And it's actually linked to affiliate marketing as well. Someone needs to be compensated. How they need to be compensated. And this is where uh, the, the structure gets very gray. If an insurance planner comes and see you, he does professional services, meaning he sits down, reviews your plan. He has to be trained to review that. How is he going to be compensated if he's, you are not compensating him for his time to professionally review your policies? He has actually through the commissions. Ah. The products. The products. Ah. Yeah. And I I don't blame them for getting, they have to be compensated. You know how they eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh. The CFPs and the RFPs struggle in Malaysia because a lot of people think that this advice can be given for free. And it's that, that, that's that's the model it has been, but someone has to pay. So you're paying through commission-based uh, 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 yeah. plans. The struggle is this. When you are getting, when an insurance planner is being commensurated based on a commission-based uh, yeah. structure, right? Will he or she be really, really absolutely unbiased? That's the struggle. Yeah. And I'm not saying that any product-based uh, or product uh, commission-based agent is bad. There are some good ones out there, and I can attest to it, is that they are in this quandary that they want to provide as much professional services as possible, but they need to be compensated. Yeah, they're not paid for it. Yeah, they're not paid for it. That's where uh, there's this uh, chicken and egg thing. Lah. Yeah, I, I think part of it is also because... Um, I think this is my observation for mm-hmm. Malaysians. Mm-hmm. They don't see the need 
a lot of them, like, I wouldn't say all. Yeah. A lot of them, um, they don't see the need. Like, why should I pay for your words, essentially? <laughs> why should I pay for information? Yeah. Why about things like that? And some of that concern might be true. Mm-hmm. But that's where I guess, uh, and I think this is a deeper discussion about, like, what is the price that mm-hmm. you have to pay for the fee, uh, the, the fees that you have to pay for the advice and what's the value of the advice. Yeah. And I think that maybe in the industry, if the value of the advice can be uh, squeezed out for mm-hmm. the public to see, mm. like for example, because you got this advice, that's why person X saved 100,000 on his interest, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that will probably push the insurance industry in a, you know, in or a financial way. planning industry, not uh, so just, yeah. 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 And you know, to your point about product, I think the whole issue is that yeah, to your commission point about commission is, you know, people don't start with the person yeah. that they're trying to That's solve right. the problem for. That's right. They are they are starting from what products do we have? Spot on. And let's throw it to whoever will take it. And if the guy doesn't need it, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Let's try and trick him to have it. <laughs> It's it's so uh, I, I'm so glad you brought yeah. that, that point up because uh, uh, I have seen insurers mm. pushing their agency force to sell a dark product. I've seen it firsthand. Yeah, but commissions must be like oh yeah ridiculous. <laughs> right? I would never sell that product mm. because uh, f- comes back to a point of do you eat your own cooking? I would never sell that product because I look at it and I say. Like, my goodness, there are so many other alternatives out there and this product doesn't even meet the objective of the individual to meet that objective or that. So, yeah. but a lot of- But the objective is not to satisfy the client. The objective is to hit the sales so yeah. that you can be on MDRT yes. and then fly to wherever, wherever. Japan, New Zealand, yeah. wherever for yeah. your year-end yeah. party, yeah. right? And, and to, the, to, to, the, to the customer, I think sad to say, they, it's oblivious to them. Because they don't know the sandbox, they don't know the uh, structure, yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's the objective of why we are discussing this in the open. This is the elephant in the room, Yeah, and it is deliberate. I don't know, it's deliberate, but it's very clear obfuscation, meaning it is deliberately complicated. Yeah, so many jargons and all that. Correct. But it's Im- impenetrable. Yeah, yeah. It's just a maze, right? It's just a maze, and sometimes my insurance mentor and I, we 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 discuss this, right? And we see uh, online insurance being sold. It's, it's a, very, a very big thing now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Lemonade in the US and even in Malaysia, right? But people tend to oversimplify all these things. Yeah, There has to be a balance. I'm not saying that you shouldn't simplify. I mean, both you and I yeah. agree, we love to simplify things. But as much as we can. As much as we can. But the caveat is this, there are certain things that are within the framework that by who by crook you need to understand. Yeah. 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 And I feel that the more people discuss the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. the more people understand the framework when you have an educated public that would ever be able to discern how is a person being compensated or commensurated, yeah. then they are clearer on whether it is a conflict of interest to them. Yeah. The problem is this, a lot of half-truths are out there. It's not just the 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 obfuscation or it, it's the half truth. So it's like people say, ah, is this uh, insurance agents get paid very high commissions? Yeah, and then you go online, is you 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 don't uh, you save on a lot of commissions. But what are the other things that are 
tight at the hip, claims, uh, uh, services, planning. Mm. Like what you said, people are not willing to pay for words. Hey, those words are very expensive, you know. Yeah. If someone has 10, 15 years of experience planning for multi-millionaires and family trust and all that kind of thing, I think an hour of him can solve a lot of my problems if yeah. I'm at that at that level, you see? But yeah. Like I, I, like I said, right? Yeah. I think that the fee-based advisors mm. I find it to get the act together in terms of getting the message out there as to why specifically. Spot They're not on. marketing themselves the way the product pushers are marketing yeah, themselves. Yeah, you have to differentiate. Actually, right now, they are de- they are demonizing the product pushers. But in, instead, they should be marketing themselves by saying that, what was the difference? Yeah, yeah. Like pay make? me 10,000 once off yeah. and I will save you X amount. X, yes. And I think that would be a pretty good uh, sales message. Correct. Right? Correct. But yeah, anyway, I mean, insurance is something that we can go on and on for and we're going to move on. And here's the last thing um, they're going to talk about. And this actually applies to us as well. Oh, yeah. Right? And that is, we all need to be aware of free content (laughs) online. Yeah. Okay? So, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of the things that we say here, you listeners should take it like a mirror and then show it to us as well. Yeah. And if we break any of these, just let us know. Well, and one thing cool. that we do is free content, mm. right? And I think early on you you mentioned about how there's no such thing as a free lunch yeah. in this world. Mm. So when you watch any free videos, mm-hmm. know that there must be some sort of incentive behind it. Correct. And a lot of the times, that incentive is monetary. Might not be fully, but it might be partially. Yes. Because no one is going to do, or it's very rare for someone to do something for no money. Yeah. Even if the person has no product or he has no uh, courses or affiliate or any of that, he's still being compensated uh, through YouTube. Yeah. And so that itself can be problematic because then he's only going to create content that the YouTube algorithm will allow him or that the YouTube algorithm likes. Yes. But it might not be the right content for you over time, right? That's right. And so this is the same for us, right? So this is the viral business model. This is the viral business model. Right? Yeah. We we create videos. Mm-hmm. We do uh, things like stock analysis um, and general investing mm-hmm. concepts. Mm-hmm. And you watch it, you either like us or you don't like us. Yeah. If you don't like us- It's uh, a free will. Yeah. You don't like us, bye-bye. And if you like us, then you hopefully get more trust with us. And eventually maybe you will apply for our mentorship. Yes. Maybe you get on some of our e-products. Yes. Or if you don't want, you can get more free stuff from us, like yeah. our free training or our free ebook. That's right. Right? Mm. You, you may or may not pay us. But but why do you think, uh, John, that uh, free content can be dangerous? I think free content can be dangerous when it's taken out of context. In the sense that, okay, let's just say you put an infographic out there. Yeah. And the most recent one was the multiple bagger stocks, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, fundamentals, like why that you know people say that fundamentals don't work in Malaysia. Yeah. Then I just put out a chart of, I think, three companies that are fundamentally good and their share price has risen a lot. Yeah, so. multi-bagger, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And straight away, people pick apart certain points of the message and taken out of context. Like, for example, they thought that we were demonizing day traders. Uh, yeah, okay, go on. Okay. 
they thought that also that, you know, uh, they started questioning us. You are saying that short term doesn't work. You know, we are saying oh, short term doesn't work and all that kind of thing. And I feel that free content with a certain space does not give full context yeah. to the message being sent across. And people pick and choose what they want to hear and what they yeah. want to listen. And that could be dangerous. Yeah. The second point I like to think of is that people, when they get free content, right? They expect it to be free because they, let's all be honest, we are all cheap skates here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah, likes yeah. to pay for words. Yeah, yeah. You say, oh, I can Google this. Oh, I can, yeah. Uh, what was, how are we going to be compensated for our time and our experience to actually come up? We, we probably had to knock ourselves five, six times on the wall yeah. to be able to come up with one realization. Mm. and make that mistake. So that's where I think a lot of people mistake that, oh, these guys uh, don't need the money or, or, or they, 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 they should be doing this for free or you know, that kind of thing. So do my reasons. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like um, you know, free content is great and all, but you have to realize that there's always a price that you have to pay. Yeah, there's no right? free lunch. So for example, some people will ask us, why do you create e-products and why do you create mentorship programs? So why can't you give it out all for free? Mm. Uh, the first is that we realize when people don't pay for it, oh. they don't take it seriously. Oh, and, yeah. and you know, our job as um, running the mentorship and all that, what we want first and foremost is that the guy's life is transformed mm. through the techniques that we guide them through. Yes, Not all will, let's be honest. Yeah. There's no guarantee and I can tell you, not everyone succeeds in our program. Both hands need to clap. Yeah, both hands needs to clap, right? And you know, on our side, we just need to make sure that we do not overpromise the offer that yes. we give you in a mentorship and that we actually fulfill what we said that we we're going to do. Yeah. So I feel that um, that is um, something that we have to be very clear of. And back to my point about uh, free content is that it's never free because people have to spend time and that's why we have to charge. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Right, so, and and you know, another one is that oh, if um you're so good, why do you need to do all this? <laughs> and yeah. and my response is, we don't. Yeah, we don't have to do all this. Yes, but there are people who are asking. Yes, and so if there are people who are asking for mentorship, yeah, then we're wondering, hey, maybe if we talk about it, we tell other people about it. Maybe some people who need it, but don't need it, then when we mention it, then they realize that they need it, then they'll come to us. Yeah. But if you don't, then you don't. You don't move, move on. Yeah, and we don't even accept, we don't, like 85% of our applicants get rejected. Exactly. Right, so, but anyway, enough about us, but back to um, the free content, right? At the end of the day, you should not be surprised that at the end of any free content or multiple free content is a call to action. Yeah. And usually that call to action involves some sort of buying, mm -hmm. some sort of financial transaction. Or a subscription, whatever. Or a subscription. Yeah. And that model that they call it the freemium model, mm -hmm. which by the way is exactly what um, Facebook does. Is it's exactly what Gmail does. Google Gmail does. Yeah. Adobe, all these guys do. So the freemium model is not um, a problem. Mm. Right? And a lot of people are, attacking yeah. the freeman model. So they'll talk about, oh, hey, you know, they give, like, you know, they do give a free book or they give a free class. Or then at the end of the day, there's like a call to action and they don't get to buy your stuff. Yeah. That 
if, if you're criticizing that, sorry to say, right? You, you're you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you're attacking the model. Yeah. The problem is not the model. No. Successful companies do that all the time. Correct. The problem is when the price of the product or service that they're offering at the end of that, all the free content does not match the value. It doesn't match. Yeah, it doesn't match up to your value. Yeah. And so um, whoever is attacking this, please direct your anger, not to the business model, <laughs> right? Not, not, not saying, oh, oh, if it's free webinar, it's bad. No, no, no. I think, I think to, to, that, to, to add to that point, uh, it would be naive for you to think uh, yeah. that you can get everything for free. It would be very naive. Oh, yeah. Like for example, when you sign up on a free Google account, yeah. what are you giving away? Actually, you're giving away even more expensive than money, you know? Mm. You're giving away data. Oh yeah, yeah. That can be monetized and that's even more expensive. Yeah, than Google the money knows where you stay. Google yeah. knows what you search, yeah. you know? The kind of things that you search online, what you buy, yeah. everything. Like you. To be honest, uh, I'd rather pay Google for yeah. my services, but you don't keep my data. It's a trade, yeah. It's a trade. that And, and I think... Uh, that, that's why every time I, I cringe when I see people say, Malaysia has a fantastic medical system. It's free. Mm. Okay, who pays for it? It's you not free, are, dude. It's not free, man. You are paying either through your taxes, yeah. either through subsidization mm. in the government because they are using certain resources that they could have used to build yeah. roads to subsidize you medically. So it's not free. And, 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 and uh, this is a more hidden um, cost, yes. which is that, if you control the prices of uh, all these services, what ends up happening is that you see the business, the hospital is also a business. Yes. So when he dispenses all these drugs and, and advice and operations and all that at a capped price, yes, that means uh, their doctors have to be capped as well. And the salary. Salary. And what happens to that when it goes to value? Yeah. So what, what ends up happening is that you're going to be stuck with doctors who are either not up to date mm -hmm. or very pure hearted. Yes. Where money is totally not, not an concern. issue. Yes. And of course, a lot of doctors are pure hearted and a lot of them who can actually make more choose not to, they just go into a government hospital because you know, to them it's all about giving back, know, helping people. Like, okay, fine. But the reality is that if you want higher quality doctors and medical innovation, yes, people don't talk about people talk about medical coverage. People talk about medical uh, costs, but mm. they don't talk about medical innovation. Yeah, and when you cap the economic potential of the hospital, yeah. you are also capping medical innovation because yeah. then there won't be enough uh, initiatives for research. Yeah, where's the funds going for research? For hiring the top PhDs in the world. Yeah. Right, and then we come back and say, as Malaysians, oh, you know, like you see, our biotech space is like so underdeveloped. <laughs> We're so far behind all these top countries. Yeah, yeah, because who's funding it? Yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, that really kind of sums up uh, probably a part of what we want to discuss the, the the struggles and the problems of the personal finance oh, yeah. space. Uh, we could go on a lot more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but I think uh, we just wanted to start this conversation off and addressing elephant in the rooms and addressing what is the sandbox actually? What, yeah. yeah. And I think probably something we want to do in the future, MJ, is actually talk about all the players within the finance space and you know how yeah. are they compensated? How are they yeah. How are they being uh, remunerated for their services? And someone has to pay. You yeah. just have to be aware of what you're paying for. Yeah, and you, and you have to be aware that, you know, when you see an affiliate and you participate in it, that you might, 
you might be the least smart person in the room yeah. in the industry. Yeah. Right? right. But that is a podcast for another time. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and um, you know, see you in the next one. Goodbye.